St. Therese Lisieux, our patroness here at the Diddy Center, is a uh, wildly popular saint. She is one of the more common confirmation saints for young women. It's unusual for a Catholic institution not to have an image or statue of her. Uh, her spiritual autobiography, Story of the Soul, is uh, profound and beautiful, yet easily accessible and widely applicable to people from all walks of life. Yet I could imagine someone saying, that's all great, but her life is so different than mine. My faith life is up and down. Her faith life seems so easy. And if you think about it, the person would have a point. She was from an extraordinarily devout family, to say the least. I mean, after all, her two parents are canonized saints. So it makes sense that as a young child, she was very prayerful and devout, um, even holy. As a young teenager, she ardently desired to enter a cloistered Carmelite convent and was able to do so at the age of 15. However, we would be wrong if we thought that St. Therese's life was without trials, even trials regarding faith. On Good Friday, 1896, she woke up coughing blood, which meant she had tuberculosis, incurable then. She was 23. She would not live to see 25. But her medical difficulties paled in comparison to the dark night of, of faith she began to experience at the same time, simultaneously with her diagnosis. She suddenly found she could no longer feel the presence of God, and her mind became battered by doubts. Is God real? What happens after this life? Is it just nothingness, or, or is heaven real? You know, many of us can relate to that dark night of faith that Therese experienced. Many of us have or will go through a time where we can't feel the presence of God, and we feel besieged battered by doubts. Now here's why I mention this, and I mean obviously St. Therese found a way to deal with these, with these doubts, uh, with this darkness, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I mention it because in our first reading we are told that Abraham was enveloped in a deep and terrifying darkness in the middle of what can only be described as a bizarre and strange ritual. We ought to see this deep and terrifying darkness as standing for the darkness of faith that so many believers experience at one time or another in their life, and to one degree or another. Therese experienced it, and darkness is not a bad way to categorize Abraham's life of faith. He was 75 years old when God first spoke to him and asked him to leave his homeland for a land he would give him. Moreover, he promised to Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation, more countless than the stars in the sky, as we saw in the first reading as well. But the obvious difficulty, he and his wife Sarah are well beyond childbearing years and are so far childless. God has made this promise, but we can't see how it could be fulfilled on a natural level. But despite this darkness of not knowing how God would fulfill his promise, Abraham puts his faith in the Lord. He believes 
despite the obvious darkness and obstacles, because he knows that nothing is impossible for God. And the ritual, which seems so bizarre and, and is, it would have made perfect sense to an audience from the ancient world. It's a ritual covenant oath. It's a way of saying, may I be slain like these animals that are split in two. If I don't keep up my end of the bargain, if I don't fulfill my commitments, it's God's way of saying to Abraham, yes, you don't know how, but I will make a great nation of you. Trust in me. I will fulfill these promises. Then in our gospel, we see how uh, those promises were fulfilled and a new way in which they would. Now, our gospel is the transfiguration of Christ. Jesus goes up a mountain with Peter, James, and John, and momentarily, his divine glory is manifested. The veil is pulled back, so to speak. And he, uh, along with this manifestation of his glory, Moses and Elijah appear. Moses, the great giver of the law, of God's law, a descendant of Abraham, who brings this great nation by God's uh, God's indis indis uh, indispensable help, of course, out of Egypt, out of slavery, ultimately to the promised land. And Elijah, the great prophet who called Israel back to fidelity to God's covenant. You know, God has made a great nation out of Abraham's descendants. Out of this childless 75-year-old man has sprung a vast nation but in Christ, that promise is about to be fulfilled in a way that is greater than any could have imagined. For with Jesus, God's covenant will be opened up, not just to Abraham's physical descendants, but to all who accept the gift of grace he offers us, to all who believe in him. They'll be made children of God, and descendants of Abraham by faith, a part of a vast and countless nation. The transfiguration of Christ is also given to strengthen the apostles in us for times of darkness. You know, the reason, on a practical level, why Christ manifested his glory was so that when he is crucified not too long after this episode and dead in the tomb, it won't crush the faith of the apostles. But also, he does this to show the connection between the two, that the cross is the road that leads to eternal glory. In the transfiguration, it ought to teach us the same, that the trials we undergo in this life, including trials of the darkness of faith, it ought to lead to the glory Christ has in store for those who, like Abraham, who, like St. Therese, persevere to the end in the life of faith. For Therese, when she was confronted with her dark night of faith, she didn't de despair, but like Abraham, she put her faith and trust in God despite the obstacles. There are answers to the questions Therese, those, those doubts Therese was battered by, but that's not what she needed in this time. No, she combat, combated the darkness by making hundreds of acts of faith each day, saying, Jesus, I believe in you, over and over and over. 
And her last words on September 30th, 1897 were, my God, I love you. She kept the faith she believed despite the darkness that besieged her. And now she experiences the glory of, of, of heaven for all eternity. And the same is true of all the saints. You know, I'll close with, with this final point. We hear in our second reading that Christ on the last day will change our lowly bodies to conform with his glorified body. And this points to a further mystery of the transfiguration. The glory which bursts forth from Jesus' body is a glory that he means to share with all the baptized, the vast and countless nation of spiritual descendants of Abraham. But we must persevere in the life of faith. We must stand firm. Even if we experience the darkness of doubt, let us, like Abraham, put our faith in the Lord, and let us, like St. Therese, daily say, Jesus, I believe in you over and over again. Let us keep the faith so that we too can experience the glory of everlasting life.